of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, uh, all the way up to uh, uh, verse 19. So um, Paul was in the midst of talking about the fact that there is this sort of controversy about him. He's, I mean, he's been addressing that in 1 Corinthians uh, from the beginning. That uh, the Judaizers have come in, hearts and minds have been poisoned. Uh, the uh, church has sort of uh, developed an attitude about Paul, and they have a disdain now for him. They were so accepting of him and his ministry, and his work, and his his love for them, and and people have turned and poisoned their hearts as gossips and backbiters do and they've created this animosity and he's most specifically addressed uh, their complaint about um, the financial support that he's been receiving and he addresses the fact that the scripture you know says uh, specifically in uh, chapter 9 at uh, verse 9 uh, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain and the idea that uh, you know they should be being cared for, but he then clarifies that he he wasn't by them and he wasn't a burden to them. That he he had come to them and uh, served them. So he's just he's establishing the principle that it's not improper, and then makes the example of and I didn't even do that. So what are you guys complaining about? How is it that you're you know all upset about this? And it it comes back to. Uh, when people's hearts and minds have been turned uh, negatively like that, you can't do anything right. You know, uh, Jesus uh, dealt with that, and if if the Lord Himself dealt with that, then clearly, as His sons, daughters, and servants, we should expect we'll deal with that. Uh, so, uh, you know, he he moves on into verse nineteen. For though I am free. From all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews to those who were under the law as under the law, that I might win those who were under the law to those who are without law as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ. And I think that that's a, a, a real clarifying issue on both sides of what he's saying, that I might win those who are without the law. Uh, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. So he's not preaching liberty to sin, nor is he preaching a return to the law. You know, when he's saying, I've become all things to all men, we should, you know, think of this more as a cultural thing. You know, when he's hanging out with the Jews who are all about, you know, the law of Moses, and he can have those conversations. He can observe those uh, even religious practices. Remember, when he returns from being steeped in the Gentile territories and churches, he goes through the process of religious purification. So, so it isn't like he wasn't going in amongst the Gentiles, you know, as the Jews would have done. It's just that when he came back, he knew what the law required. And shaved his head and beard and, and, and went through the fasting process in order to be purified so that he could go to the temple and worship. You know, so he's he's a guy who observed uh, you know these things but but wasn't bound underneath them. Uh, you know, two verses that I just popped into mind with as I was looking at this, uh, Romans six one. What shall I say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What you know. So this, you know, I've become all things to all men. So I just go out and you know, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that he just, you know, falls into debauchery with those that are of a debased mind. You know, he's saying, I, I identify with people, you know. If they're 
uh, you know, behaving in a you know Gentile manner. Um, I, I don't have any problem eating with them, you know, in their way. I don't have any problem, you know, culturally following after their practices. But when I'm with Jews, I do what is required of Jews, uh, even religiously, but not with the expectation that it's going to provide him with salvation. He doesn't have that mindset. The second verse on that regard, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, in returning to the law, he says to the church at Galatia, you've become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. So, you know, this statement of serving all men is, you know, however you want to look at it. You're around the really religious people of today, then, you know, it's okay to, uh, you know, sing the old hymns and behave in those ways and, and to be churchy, <laughs> you know. Whereas if you're with the completely unsaved, you don't bring your hymnal with you and start preaching from your, you know, meet them where they're at. You know, share with them about their life. Talk to them about their circumstances. The working class man, talk to the working class man as a working class man. You know, all things, you know, to all men is, you know, Jesus, or no, it was Paul that said, you know, um, you know, laugh with those who laugh and mourn with those who are mourning. Meet people where they're at is you know, what's being said here. As I Look this up. A number of people were misappropriating this passage and turning it into, yeah, so when you're hanging out with the heathens, just behave like the heathens, you know. It's not what Paul is saying at all. He's saying, you know, we shouldn't be so arrogant and elevated and lofty that we're talking down to people, nor so debased that we can't meet people where they're at. You know, there, there are ways for us to uh, strive to minister and reach people. Um, There's a Hudson Taylor uh, amongst the Chinese that uh, shaved the front of his head and grew his hair out and had the single braid that he wore and the long robe of uh, the Chinese of his day. He, in appearance, actually looked like the Chinese that he was ministering to. You know, that's more the idea of the culture and and how do you, um, you know, fit in and appeal to them and bring them to Christ. Uh, In verse uh, 24, do you not know that those who run the race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Um, I just, I'm not going to go into any details, but I just... Uh, found a thing. Uh, I sort of unwind watching YouTube. There's nothing on television worth watching. And, you know, you can find different, sometimes I end up watching a lecture or whatever. Uh, You know, just all kinds of different things. And uh, I found a series that was uh, famous people that cheated in history. And it was a list of individuals who, uh, in sporting events mostly, uh, had cheated. You know, and uh, one, but then it was discovered and were disqualified. I forget the woman's name that took the subway in the New York Marathon, and uh, you know, just emerges out in the pack. You know, at the you know last like mile and a half or something like that. You know, runs across, and the very first thing everyone noticed was when they're used to seeing those marathon runners is they actually visibly lose weight. You know, they, they'll, they, they depart from the starting line, and when they come across the finish, they're, like, gaunt, you know, from having burned off. You know, one, they're exceptional athletes and have next to no body fat, and when they cross the finish line, they have no body fat. And, you know, she, she was looking, you know, fit and um, not, you know, didn't really seem to be sweating all that much. And uh, you know, these guys are, like, collapsing and, you know, uh, having to be tended to and, uh She's very willing to talk to people. The, the falsehood here, when you run the race, is such. In, you got to run in such a way. And he talks about it. everyone who competes 
for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, and that was the, the crown of leaves that they would uh, award uh, to the Olympians who participated in the day. But we, for an imperishable crown, the eternal glory, which truly belongs to Christ, you know, his crown, his reward, imparted to us um, and uh, you know the strength of the Holy Spirit to even compete uh, in in the in the faith and uh, to walk in such a way left to ourselves you know we don't we don't have any uh, ability to even enter into uh, this uh, competition as it was but I, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. And there's that word, the disqualification uh, that he's uh, referring to. Need to run according to the rules. Don't, don't want to uh, compete and then you know get to that final place and find that, no, there's no reward for you. And um, I think that one of the easiest ways that I have observed People and well, I'll just keep it to myself. Uh, within myself, the, the ways that it's very easy to disqualify qualify myself is uh, doing it to be seen by people. You know, just trying to impress and trying to, you know, do it so that others are looking on, rather than letting it be that pure motivation of uh, I'm doing this because of what Christ has done for me, and therefore I'm doing this for him, doing all things unto the Lord. So you know, something that uh, I recognized early on in my own heart and mind was present, was that I'm a man pleaser, and uh, I have to guard my heart against that. It's, it's very easy in both regards. Uh, one, to impress people, and then two, you know, if you do things that are in obedience to the Lord and people get upset with you about that, then trying to mold and shape yourself to please them, you know, to somehow answer to them. I, uh, uh, I now have to answer a number of people on online in regard to a lot of things, you know, managing a website and different things and people just firing back all the time about how upset they are about Christianity and and in general and in particular this this situation with uh, the covid virus and and it's the thing that's most remarkable to me is um, how people will spout off out of ignorance they, they just don't even know and I, I mean I'm not even talking about all the conspiracy weirdness out there they're you know, they, you can tell from what they're saying that they're imagining that we're just, it's almost like every one of us has COVID virus and all we're doing is, you know, slathering it all over one another and sending people out to nursing homes in order that we would destroy our culture. It's like, right. No, that, right. <laughs> sorry, exactly right. Yes. You know, the, it, you know, and then you, you, have that sense of like you know pleading and begging like to explain yourself and you know i've just fallen into the place where here's your quick answer and god bless and and leave it alone because in the end you're you're never going to be able to make all of these people happy no matter what you're doing they're they're opposed to the faith and that that's the position that they're coming from the you know the, so Lots of different things. I mean, as far as being disqualified, we need to, uh, you know, be very careful. And, and uh, along that idea of being a man pleaser, um, you know, it, it, it takes some care to uh, because we have a heart to win people over. And so uh, when people express that they're disgruntled with our faith, uh, it's very easy to to then try and uh, sort of worm around with 
what we're saying and how we're presenting it. In the end, we diminish the message of Christ. It's it's a tragedy that uh, so many people, um, this particular virus and the way it's affecting the church has really showed true colors in a lot of places. Um, You know, ministers lashing out uh, over the fact that, uh, you know, there are churches opening. Just, you know, obviously when, uh, you know, hateful people burn a church to the ground in Mississippi, you can go, okay, (laughs) that's wicked. But, you know, when a minister takes the time to, you know, type up many pages of rebuke and then distribute it to everyone who will listen about how wrong it is to enter into this fight and to defend the freedom to worship. I mean, you don't want to? Praise God. That's your issue. That's where you're at. Uh, The Lord has called me to stand up for people's freedom and to open the doors of our church and be very cautious about how we do it. It's it's so strange how that man-pleasing will really tell you where you're at and where others are at. So doing all things as unto Christ, you know, running the race, striving uh, singularly for, you know, truly he's the only one standing at the finish line. He's the only one handing out trophies. You know, there's there's no one else there. There's there's going to be a singular conversation of approval or disapproval, and you know that comes down to obviously, as far as justification, Jesus Christ's sacrifice. Then all you're talking about is reward. I don't want to rob myself of reward, you know, by doing. Uh, anything that I'm doing out of some other motivation and um, sneaks up on you. Got to pay close attention to what's going on in our own heart and mind. Uh, that that um, it's a mentality within our culture of just you know you got to trust your heart. No, <laughs> no, you know that's uh, that's proven out to be very dangerous for me. You know, listening to myself and following my internal voice. You know, that's, that's a liar in there. And, got, you know, so it isn't just the one simple thing. i got to constantly examine what's going on and look at my own heart and my motivations and my methods as to uh, the way that I'm behaving. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. That's you know the, the pillar of cloud by day. All passed through the sea. That's the Red Sea as they departed out of Egypt. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. And I'll, I'll pause there because... Um, if that is a symbolic baptism and Paul definitely is making the parallel to the baptism of the New Testament believers that, you know, just like you get baptized into the faith, they were baptized into the faith, you know, under the cloud and through the Red Sea. Then the, the question pops up in that discussion of, then what was Joshua's passage through the Jordan River? If Moses' passage through the Red Sea was a baptism, then what was Joshua's passage through uh, the Jordan into the Promised Land? And the answer is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, notice no one there speaking in tongues. You know, I mean, maybe... Uh, That will be part of your experience. But you do have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in in order to enter into the promised land. Oh, right, that's heaven. No, it's not. Not according to the biblical, I mean, according to the old spiritual that is sung. 
You know, I looked over Jordan. What did I see? Coming for to carry me home. Band of angels coming after me. You know, as though it were death. When they crossed that Jordan River, they entered into warfare. You know, now, the beautiful thing is, the first thing they were given as an example is, I'll do the conquering here <laughs> as the Lord defeats Jericho. And then, unfortunately, the second thing uh, they uh, have to experience is, by the way, if you disobey me, what you're going to experience is defeat, right? So the first thing they learn is God will do the conquering. Second thing is disobedience leads to defeat. Third thing is in humility, you can pick up the pieces and move forward and have victory. And, and so from that point forward, it's all about conquering the things that oppose the children of God. What are the things that dominate Christians' lives, dominate our lives? Life in the Spirit will conquer those things. We often get that backwards, right? We're reading through Romans and we get to chapter 8 and we're thinking, right, you know, if I could just not walk after the flesh, then I would be walking in the Holy Spirit. This, is, this does this each time, right about this time. It ends. i got to look into the settings forgive me uh right at, right at the high point of what i'm trying to relay you know no coincidence there somebody's watching on facebook and just shutting it down we're we're making some changes all together about how we handle this anyway new <coughs> new camera and stuff on the way hopefully get rid of this thing sitting in front of me so we're back. That's how we do it. We do a short segment and we take a break. And then anyway, I don't know. technology. Um, so, you know, the life in the spirit, we shouldn't confuse it into thinking like if I just don't, you know, do these sinful things, then I'm walking in the spirit. It is exactly the opposite. Walk in the spirit and then you won't do those things. That's, that's what Paul is saying without question that, that our life is supposed to be you know a life that is led by the Holy Spirit and when it's led by the Holy Spirit then we don't gratify uh, the desires of the flesh so uh, you know, the victory here this you know I know I'm chasing the rabbit trail but you know all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea uh, we definitely want that and also the life in the spirit so he's putting this warning out to them in regard to idolatry uh, that you know the the church at Corinth is struggling on every level with the whole things and he's having to tell them look okay you you have to look at our, our forefathers of Israel as an example they all walked under the cloud they all uh, walked through the sea all ate the same spiritual food all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And there's a whole series of sermons that can be taught just from that. Uh, you know, the, the physical aspects of the rock following them and uh, the spiritual aspects of Christ being ever-present in our lives. And we need only speak to the rock. Uh, we don't have to bruise the rock uh, with our sinfulness uh you know as moses did in his anger you know it's a it's a divine example that the lord left for us that moses demonstrates right in the beginning uh killing an egyptian that he's given to that type of aggression and we see it throughout you know, while he records for us that he's the most humble man that was we also see when we have to assume that's true the holy spirit penned that through him uh, then we also see he's a man who's given to anger, you know. So, so his weakness uh, causes it to be that that's the striking of the rock the second time. Do we strike Christ with our weakness? Because your weakness might not be anger, it might be something else. And are we repeatedly, uh, you know, um, causing injury to? And I hate to say Christ, but, you know, causing injury in order to experience 
the fulfillment of our need. What we are so often, you know, think of it this way. So very often, uh, take for instance people who uh, have a strong sexual desire, and they're they're fulfilling that through pornography or fornication or sin, and they resist as a believer for you know a period of time and then fail. And so they're gratifying the flesh. And of course, the brokenness and the repentance and the return and they receive from Christ what they needed. How about just skip all of that middle step and get right to speak to Christ and receive the quenching of the thirst? You know, rather than going through the sinful process and and then getting to the ultimate end of what you know is necessary, which is speak to Christ and receive the satisfaction of your heart and your soul. Instead, we turn to our weakness, like Moses did, and you know, run that painful course back to the same finish line, and then again and again. So very often, the deliverance that Christ has. So here, they followed the spiritual rock, or the rocks followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. You know, the uh, King James says it so eloquently about how their carcasses were scattered throughout the wilderness. And uh, it, it's, you know, there you're sort of, you know, big pause, because the idea is, hey, church at Corinth, you know, you, you are stumbling and falling and failing and having to be rebuked and corrected by me. You want, might want to look at the example of Israel and see that they did similar things and Christ the Lord was not pleased with that, that they were under the punishment during that time. It's, there's an attitude always. In believers, like, um, well, the, you know, these, you know, supernatural things. Look at look at the way the Lord blessed my life. Look at the way he provided over here. Remember when we had that show? So I must be under the blessing of the Lord. Yeah, okay, you are. They were under the cloud. They passed through the Red Sea. They right and died in the wilderness. Learn from the example. You know, make sure we aren't, you know, look at it. So, you know, I, I had a conversation with a guy who was saying, right, but, um, you know, their dying in the wilderness was just like how we need to die in the flesh. No. <laughs> no, no, the flesh needs to die in order that the child of God could then enter into the promised land. You know, this whole process is it shouldn't be a lifelong thing. There should be a finishing, an end to this, and then a distinction of crossing over into a victorious life of conquering those things. There isn't a dwelling in the wilderness, this endless wandering around. It's a painful process to consider. And then he goes into this in verse 6. <clears throat> now, these things become our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Hey, thanks for reminding me. I'll silence my phone also. All right. So, um, <clears throat> you know, this um, example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And that is, you know, putting it so graciously. Um, when Moses came down off the mountain, I mean, for the adult rated R Bible study here, there was a full-blown orgy going on. It just was sexual debauchery and sin and idolatry in the midst. It just was a horrible thing. 
you know, Moses goes up to meet with God, and they're all filled with fear and trepidation. You know, the the thundering and the lightning, and uh, you go speak to God because if we have to hear him anymore, you know, we're gonna die. And they're all, and then he comes down, and they're just in gate. And Aaron, and you know, I don't know what happened. I just I put the gold in the fire, and the cow just came out as incredible. You know, you know, it's it, you know, he goes into that saying. To the people, it's it's horrifying to think about. Uh, this is the of the golden calf. He says, "This is the Lord that led you out of Egypt." It, it would literally be like, you know, literally be like, "You're here tonight to study and worship the Lord, and I've got a golden cow here, and I'm telling you, we're all going to pray to this is Jesus Christ that we're going to worship." And they were all like, "Yeah, okay." And participated together in it. Such a horrible thing. So, you know, here he's making the point with them. He gets very direct. Uh, Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell as the judgment of God. What a horrible experience. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents uh, it's it's interesting to me that uh you know we've we've been pointing to romans i just opened my bible up here on my phone uh, uh through this covid process uh, a number of times you know the wrath of god revealed from heaven against all ungodliness it goes on and talks about you know the clear attributes of god being seen how they didn't want to retain the knowledge of God. Their hearts were uh, darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools. You know, it's so strange to, to watch these leaders in this situation who you're literally left going, that's your answer? That's what we're going to do? You know, the, these are the decisions we're uh, going to make. Uh, God gave them up to uncleanness, to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the uh, natural use for what was against nature. Uh, and this really does pertain uh, to this. Uh, verse 28, And they, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting, gave them over to a debased mind. Um, you know, there are many examples. I'll stick to one that's perhaps a little less controversial, but um, our nation isn't working. Like, everybody's been sent home. And you know how it is when you don't work. Your, your savings diminish rapidly. So whatever we had is just having the life sucked out of it. And the proposal that's put forward is, you know, $3 trillion. I mean, everybody likes the paycheck when it shows up in the bank account, but you do have to be responsible enough to ask, where is that coming from? You know, the debased mind that's being spoken of there, it's often thought of in regard to the sexual things that are being said. It's literally insanity. Widespread, you know, you don't want to retain God. You want to go against nature. You want to do all these sinful things. I'll just take my hands off the control and let you go straight into insanity. You know, e even, even common sense and, and clear thought is a gift from God. You know, he's literally like, okay, you don't want me? Kick me out? Kick me out of the schools? Kick me out of... The country, you know, say you're not a Christian nation. You know, I don't know if people are thinking about this, but uh, two Democratic conventions ago, uh, they refused to invoke God into the convention. And when uh, their uh, leader stood up and did it anyway, knowing this is like a given thing we're supposed to do, they stood to their feet and booed him from the stage. 
this is our nation. You you want to kick God out in that way and, and drive him away from yourself? You're going to pay with this type of result. This this is what's going on. You know, uh, I can't think of the governor. I, was it Missouri? She's so uh, opposed. Minnesota, I can't remember where. But, uh, you know, worse restrictions and more confinements to church and greater and they're in the midst of not only experiencing this, but massive flooding and all, you know, you know I mean, it, you know, and everybody's standing around going, is that the judgment of God? Let me just tell you plain, it is, you know, it's time to repent as a nation, as individuals, as states, it's time to repent and let people's hearts return to God. This, this literally is judgment on a biblical level, literally. Not, not figuratively, you know, crack the book open, start reading and hear what the Lord has to say uh, about, you know, this, this. And again, right, Jesus is saying, you know, these are just the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of birth pains. There's much, much worse ahead. So um, it's it's time. It's time for people. I just uh, I think I've shared this before. Um, it's been on my heart this week, so I guess I'll share on a personal. Maybe it has some application. Sexual sin. Um, I I had a neighbor uh, growing up uh, who had a tremendous amount of pornography, and that's where I was first introduced to pornography and that sin. And uh, so I was a Christian kid and. Um, I mowed their lawn and, uh, he invited me into the house and, you know, there in the bathroom, I mean, giant stacks of magazines and, uh, he encouraged me, just take what you want sort of attitude. And, uh, that dominated my life through my youth and Christ delivered me uh, from that uh, praise God but uh, you know it has destroyed so many people and it it permeates our culture so much uh, you know everywhere it, you know the, the magazine rack uh, it, you know at the checkout in the grocery store is filled with it it's you know it may not be that you can open it up and actually see nudity but what's being presented is pornographic it's it's so and 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 the Supreme Court doesn't know what pornography is, you know art, pornography. They're not sure, you know. It's clear, biblically, what is and what isn't. Well, you know, I'm making a long story longer, but um, when that really had sunk its teeth into my life as a young man, I was just tormented with the hypocrisy of my life, and uh, I had a dream one night. Uh, where in my dream, it's it's totally weird, but in my dream, uh, um, the that house, the next door neighbor, in the dream, there was uh, this scientist who lived there in the dream, and uh, he had created a time machine, and uh, he wanted uh, me and uh, my neighbor kid friend to test it out for him. Uh, because uh, if he got in it uh, and things went wrong, then uh, you know he'd be stranded wherever, and so he could control it uh, from this end of things and send us uh, to places in time, and we could also control it. He showed us what to do, control it inside, and, and we could go, and so we had those dual controls. We could control it ourselves, but he could also control it as a safety measure, and uh, you know, so we're going to test this thing out. So we get into this capsule, and he launches us into the future. Well, it was on a lake where we uh, grew up, and, and uh, the shoreline's right there, and this is where he's got his time machine set up. He launches us into the future, and when we arrive there, it's so long later that the lake has eroded the shoreline. And so the capsule comes through, and there's nothing underneath it, and we topple, and the thing crashes, and it's destroyed. We're stranded in the future, you know. I mean, go ahead and write the movie, right? And it's just as, as lame as you can possibly imagine. But when I emerge from this capsule, we've missed the rapture. 
we're in the tribulation. It's full-on death and destruction and war-torn horror. My whole family's gone, right? I'm a kid having this dream, stranded in the future, and, I mean, it's as graphic as you can possibly imagine. I literally came out of that dream screaming in a nightmare. It was years before I realized that that was a message from the Lord about the pornography in that house. That was launching me into the future and eroding my foundation. And do I want to be stranded in the future without Christ? You know what I'm saying? It brought it was part of what brought repentance to my life over the issue. You know, the sexual immorality that Paul is saying right here. It's so destructive, so incredibly destructive to people's hearts, minds, and lives. Our, you know, COVID virus, plague, yeah, drug addiction, uh, 70,000 deaths, uh, you know, by overdose, alcoholism, pornography. And look, what, look what's happening to our culture. Look what's happening to our nation around. We're a Christian nation. Not many of us. <laughs> You know, there is a Christian nation within this nation. There is a remnant. There is that belongs to Christ. But there's a great portion that are more along this lines and what the Lord is saying. So I need to wrap up well, at least what we're saying here. So, you know, 20,000 fell. That's a horrible number. That's a horrible. One would have been bad enough, right? 20,000, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. You know, you think about the later occurrences of the same sexual sin in the camp as they were, uh, you know, uh, falling to the temptations that had been presented to them. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. And they get a few levels of complaint that went on, right? Complaining is much more a general sense. Complain about the food, right? We got to always eat this manna. Why can't we have some meat? Which is okay, you know. How about uh, you're choking on it, you know. Uh, but also, who is this Moses that he rules over us? And that didn't just happen once, right? You got Aaron and Miriam that do that, and then later Korah, you know. So the complaint against the leadership that God puts in their lives and that's that's so easy to do why because all the leaders are human beings so they're gonna be flawed so it's very easy to complain and they were destroyed by the destroyer destroyer now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come. Wow, if, if these guys are at the ends of the age, right? really, you know, we, I mean, the race that we're in, we must be just about to break the tape. You know, it's the finish line is, is so close upon us. It's remarkable. I, uh, Lori and I were just talking yesterday about a sermon we had heard, and... Uh, Oh, I should have looked up the the uh, for instances, but um, it, there was a the, during the gold rush in California, there was a man that prospector purchased a, a big tract of land, and he knew, he was a geologist, and he understood things about uh, possible gold deposits there, and oh, huge mining operation as far as their personal investment of time and resources, and it yielded very little in the process and uh out of sheer exhaustion they gave up they shut down the mine and uh they moved on to other things and sometime later they sold it off the whole tract of land to another man who had the same understanding he was a geologist he could see what was there he even was taking the efforts that they had put in and analyzing the gold that had yielded and was saying, you know, it's close. There's, there's more here. You don't find this, this much if there isn't more. 
And so upon purchasing the land, they, they invested a huge amount to just start. They found the single largest gold vein that had been discovered up to that point in the gold rush. They were feet away from it. Feet away from it. You know, we've been hearing for most of our lives, right? Some of us in the faith have been hearing Christ is coming. The rapture is near. You know, even about, you know, look, if these guys are, the, we must be right at the, and I watch people fading off right now and giving up and quitting and, you know, losing heart. When we read that because of sin, the love of many will grow cold, we often think of that as, right, that person falls into sin and then they grow cold in their love for Christ. Yeah, that's, that's a given. But the abundance of sin in our culture is causing people to lose their love for Christ also. You know, the abundance of sin everywhere. You know, my encouragement to the few of us here this evening is don't lose heart. We're so close to what Christ has for us, our children and our grandkids. We have to hold on. <clears throat> Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you were able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so often the temptation and the struggles, the failures and the flaws we have, <clears throat> we, we view it as I'm the only one that experiences this. You know, my temptation or my hardship is so much worse than anybody else around me. You know, clearly. And, and you know, here comes the admonition of no, you're, you're only experiencing what is common, the common temptations. I have never heard anybody sit down and make their confession to me. You know, not that I receive confession or anything weird like that, but people come for counseling and they talk and they're tormented over, oh, I just all this junk in my life. And, you know, and then they describe, I'm so much worse. And they go on describing, and I'm just, you know, I'm expecting like they're going to tell me, you know, some horrific thing. And I think, oh my goodness, what you're describing is so common. This is just, you know, <clears throat> you know, I hate to say it, but it's natural. You know, it's not, <clears throat> not, not to say that it's right. Right, murder's natural. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's just the rage that fills a sinful human being's heart. You know, that, it it isn't something uncommon. I think that's a trick of our enemy to convince you that you're worse than anybody else, and therefore you should give up and just continue on in your sin or your failure. Because because you know, there's no hope for you. Maybe that guy at church, <clears throat> you know, that you thought was he could probably get it, but not you. You're, you're definitely, you're, you're, you know, unique, your, your upbringing, your parents, what you went through, that was definitely, you know, yours is much worse. And, and so there, it's, it's an excuse that while others have submitted their lives to Christ and been delivered from even these, you know, descriptions right here, they've been delivered, but you can't be. Now, that's the way I think that our enemy uses this uh, more than any other way. He turns it around. To convince us ours is a unique situation, and and that's why you should give up. You know, and I, you know, if I was just putting it together that way, that'd be one thing. Here's Paul uh, putting it together, uh, saying, you know, take heed. Uh, he who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. You know, pay attention, hold on, have some strength. Um, you know, I quoted uh, Nehemiah ten eight. Uh, uh, a couple times recently, but uh, this morning where uh, they're, they're rebuilding, they've come back into the land and the temple's being established and they're now building the walls in that and they, they um, set up the podium and then they, they read the word of God and, and everybody is stirred and shaken over the realization of, oh my goodness, that's why. We were sent into captivity because we disobeyed. You know, for some of them, this is the first time they've heard a complete reading of the word that way. And it's, they're crying and 
shaking, which is partly due to the rain that they're standing in, but they're, they're, they're overwhelmed with it. And as that whole process continues, uh, Nehemiah tells them, okay, no more you know, days of, of, it's now time for feasting. We've built the wall, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, you've heard the law, and God is reestablishing our nation, and celebrate, and, and take food to the people that don't have any, and let this be a time of, of celebration. And he closes that verse by saying, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. And, and we misappropriate that to mean that uh, the Lord is going to give you joy and it's going to make you strong. When what it means is, if you will be strong, it will give the Lord joy. The, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. You know, here, as Paul is making this discussion about not faltering and not failing, you know, the few of us that are here, be strong, you know, th that the Lord would be blessed by us and that we would be running the race to please the one who's put us in the race. Amen? So we'll pick up at uh, verse 14 uh, next week. And uh, I, I feel so awkward when I get to this point because I'm so used to saying, let's stand and pray, but... I got the camera and the microphone, and I need to. So let's just pray, and we'll we'll meet together next week and pick up with verse fourteen. Father, I thank you for your love and your graciousness in our lives, and Lord, we do pray that you would minister to us. Lord, we want to cooperate with you, but we have to at the same time admit that there's a sinfulness and a rebelliousness in our hearts and our minds and our lives. Lord, we need your strength. Lord, we want to be strong, but we need your fortification. So continue, Father, to pour your spirit out upon us. Help us to remain, to abide in that place where your spirit will uh, fill us and strengthen us. Lord, show us the things you want us to do. Show us the people you want us to talk to that we could be your ministers and your, your agents to share with the sick and dying world your message. We pray these things in Jesus' name.